0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Keeping Pace in Women's Cancers, Updates in Triple Negative Breast Cancer, is provided by Agile and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Here is Dr. Javier Cortez. Metastatic triple negative breast cancer, or TMBC, is a far more aggressive and deadlier than other cancers and has few effective treatment options. As a result, metastatic TMVC presents a complex clinical challenge to physicians. How will emerging immunotherapies shift the treatment paradigm for TMVC? This is CME on Rich MD, and I am Dr. Javier Cortés.
1: I'm Dr. Peter Schmitz, and I look forward to
0: discussing those important topics with you this afternoon. So Peter, to start us off, can you give us a brief overview of the biology of TMVC How, in your opinion, do advances in the analysis of biology and heterogeneity assist in determining treatments?
1: Yeah, thank you, Javier. Our understanding of triple negative breast cancer has increased dramatically over the last few years. But within triple negative breast cancers, there are several subtypes. Depending on the classification, we choose possibly four, possibly six, and this is based on gene expression profiling, distinct subgroups with very different biology. We also, going forward, might maybe not use these classifications, but I think they're helpful for us to understand how heterogeneous triple negative breast cancer is, but also to help us identify possible therapeutic strategies. There's a whole range of new therapeutic targets that have been identified over the last few years and will be identified going forward. And I'm pretty optimistic that using those targets, we will also start redefining different subgroups of triple negative breast cancer and tailor the treatment strategies according to those subgroups. One of the examples is pd one expression, which has been identified as a marker for immune therapy sensitivity, where we now have a new standard of care in the use of immune therapy in the first-line setting of triple negative breast cancer. But there are other examples that are being developed as we speak, where we develop new targeted therapies for distinct subtypes of triple negative breast cancer. Now, Javier, when we first started developing immune therapy, we started with single agent immune therapy about six, seven, eight years ago. Would you mind just running us through the data
0: with those single agent immune therapy trials? So, thanks, Peter. Yes, as you know very well, different immune checkpoint inhibitors have shown to be, or to have some activity in AT breast cancer when used as monotherapy. In brief, I think, at least in my opinion, both pembrolizumab and atezolizumab have shown the most interesting activity in this group of patients. Overall response rate has been in the range of 4 to 7% in second line or beyond, and in the range of 25% in the first line setting. What it is, in my opinion, more interesting is the duration of response. Only a group of patients responded to these agents But these patients could have very long-term outcomes, which, in my opinion, is very, very interesting. The most important trial, nevertheless, is the Keynote 119 in this setting. As you know, this is a second, third-line clinical trial with pembrolizumab compared with physician's choice. The primary point was overall survival. Unfortunately, overall survival was not superior for those patients who received immunotherapy compared with chemotherapy, but there was a very interesting exploratory analysis for those patients with high expression of pdl one measured with a CPS score of 20 or more. In this group of patients, again, there was a subgroup analysis, exploratory analysis. The survival was clearly more interesting in favor of membralizumab. So in my opinion, immunotherapy is there, might help a group of patients, but very limited, and this is why, in my opinion, combining immunotherapy with chemotherapy is much more interesting. For those just tuning in, you are listening to CME on Reach MD. I am Dr. Javier Cortés, and here with me today is Dr. Peter Smith. We are discussing the role of immunotherapies in the treatment of metastatic triple negative breast cancer. So we have been talking about mono Now, Peter, building on that, how do we determine if a patient would be eligible for combination immunotherapies?
1: So the first two registrational studies, Keynote 355 and Impassion 130, allowed patients regardless of PD-L1 expression in the trial. These were two first-line trials, first-line metastatic triple-negative breast cancer. In Impassion 130, patients received nivolumab as a chemotherapy backbone, and they were randomised uh, between atezolizumab or placebo in combination with chemotherapy. In Keynote 355, investigators could choose between three chemotherapy options, conventional paclitaxel, paclitaxel, or chemcitabine and carboplatin. And those patients were then randomized between pembrolizumab in combination with chemotherapy or placebo. Both trials show remarkably similar results. Both trials were positive for progression-free survival in the ITTs, intention to treat population in all comers, showing a clear benefit from the addition of the immune checkpoint inhibitor. However, when we looked at those data in more detail in pre-planned analysis, it became clear that the patients who derive a benefit are patients with pd one positive tumors, whereas patients with pd one negative tumors don't seem to derive a benefit from the addition of immune checkpoint inhibitors. pd one expression was assessed differently in those two phase three trials. In Kino 355 the CPS score was used with a cutoff of 10, and this is based on an antibody called to c 3 In Impulsion 130, an antibody called SP142 was used with a cutoff of 1%. Now what is interesting is both assays describe a relatively similar population of around 40% of all triple negative breast cancer patients, They overlap largely by about 75%, although not completely. But it is clear now, following those two phase three trials, that patients in the first-line setting with metastatic triple-negative breast cancer benefit from the addition of immune checkpoint inhibitors, pembrolizumab or up, but only if they have PD-1-positive tumors. And in Impassion 130, we could also show with long follow-up that patients have a substantial survival benefit with an overall survival in the PDL one positive subgroups of more than two years. We're still waiting for the survival data of kino 355 but at the
0: moment, all data seem to be very similar to what we saw with Impassion 130. So, Peter, you have described very nicely how pembrolizumab and in combination with chemotherapy improves long-term outcomes, basically, for pdl one positive patients. But it was surprising to me, at least, the results we saw from the Impassion 131. So, paclitaxel plus atezolizumab, did not behave in a similar way as uh, napaclitaxel and atesolizumab or chemotherapy plus pepulizumab. Do you have any feeling about why this trial failed to demonstrate an improvement in, in progression for survival?
1: Yeah, Javier, I mean, that's, a, that's a really difficult question and we can only speculate. Now, Impassion 131 was in terms of the design very similar to Impassion 130 although the trial is smaller than Impassion 130 with around 650 patients. When we first designed Impassion 130 we deliberately chose nalpaclitaxel as a chemotherapy because back in 2013-2014 when we designed the trial we were a little bit anxious about the use of steroids which is generally required if you use conventional taxanes but in Impassion 131, we wanted to test whether we would get, we could see similar results with paclitaxel, conventional paclitaxel, compared to N-paclitaxel and Impassion 130. And the short answer is, we failed to show this. There was no benefit in progression-free survival or overall survival from the addition of Atesilism up to conventional paclitaxel. The question now is, why is that? And, and the jury is still out. We, we haven't got a definitive answer. There are certainly some small changes in the trial design that may have contributed to this. The trial is smaller. There are 200 patients smaller. It used the 2-to-1 randomization. So the control on Impassion 131 is relatively small. We also see an unusually good survival in the control group in Impassion one through one control group treated with just with paclitaxel and placebo for more than two years, which is unheard of in this group of patients, and maybe a result of the heterogeneity of triple negative breast cancer. But also we are aware that patients in Impassion one through one received steroids, co-medication, and we don't know whether that had an impact or not. So what we don't know at this point in time was there's something not working out in that trial or it's really the combination of paclitaxel and atesolizumab suboptimal? For now, I would put a, a slight caveat behind using that combination. On the other hand, in Keynote 355, Javier, as you know and as you, as you presented, there was patients could use paclitaxel or napaclitaxel or gemcitabine carboplatin. And in the most recent data that were presented in San Antonio, we saw a breakdown of the benefit for patients who had paclitaxel or napaclitaxel and there didn't seem to be a difference between those two subgroups. So it is unclear whether this was just a, a, a glitch in a trial with Impassion 131. 1. But but as those data are there, and I contrast to Impassion 130 and in contrast to Keynote 355, I personally would be cautious about using conventional papitaxel in this setting rather than now papitaxel. Yeah I think you are you are totally right. Are there any barriers at the moment for using those checkpoint inhibitors in breast cancer but also for treatment of metastatic triple negative breast cancer in general and what can we as
0: clinicians do to overcome these barriers? Well, I think, of course, we have barriers, as always in life, but I would mention maybe two or three of them. The first one is that we have to avoid, we have to try to not to have patients with with metastatic triple negative breast cancer. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is to optimize the treatment for patients with early breast cancer. So, you know, Peter, you, you have been the lead investigator of the Keynote 522 with pembrolizumab in combination with chemotherapy in the early breast cancer setting, in the new adjuvant setting. So I think that if we are able to decrease the probability for our patients to have metastasis in the future, optimizing treatments in the early breast cancer setting, this is, in my opinion, the the, the best we can do for them. So let's see if in the future, with the long-term outcome data, we also have the opportunity to to use these agents in, in this setting. I think that also some barriers of course, are uh, how to optimize who are going to be the patients who will benefit more. We are talking about biomarkers. We have today the pdl one data with different platforms from different drugs, atesolizumab and pembrolizumab. but we also have other biomarkers. We are talking about microbiota. We are talking about liver metastasis, LDH. I don't know. We have a plenty of possibilities to try to optimize the group of patients who will benefit more.
1: I mean, one of the interesting points you brought into this discussion is the introduction of immune therapy into early triple negative breast cancer therapy. And what we've seen in two randomized phase three trials is a substantial and, in my opinion, clinical uh, meaningful increase in the pathological complete response rates by between 13 and 70% in those two studies. What's also interesting there is that that benefit seems to be even more pronounced in patients with higher risk disease. In fact, if we look at patients with node positive disease versus patients with node negative disease, if we treat them with chemotherapy alone, there's a massive difference in path CR rates. But if you treat those patients with chemotherapy and immune therapy in the near different setting, there's no difference in path CR rates anymore between node positive patients and node negative patients. But really most importantly, in going back to what you said about barriers and biomarkers, What is really interesting that PD-L1 expression doesn't seem to be a predictive biomarker of response in the neoadjuvant setting, whereas as we discussed earlier, it is a, a very
0: highly predictive factor in the metastatic setting. So, Peter, you know it is always absolutely great, fascinating conversation to be with you, to talk to you, and to share clinical trials and experience with you. But we have to conclude. So, can you please share with the audience just a 20-second take-home message?
1: We so are starting to make a real difference in triple negative breast cancer. Immune therapy has been a massive first step forward, improving overall survival in metastatic triple negative breast cancer and also half-0 rates in early triple negative breast cancer. Our understanding of the biology of triple negative breast cancer is allowing us to develop more targeted therapies.
0: I only can echo all your words, Peter. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I would like to thank you all for listening in. And thanks a million, Peter, for joining me and for sharing all your great insights. It was great speaking with you today, as always. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, everybody. Stay well and goodbye.
1: Thanks also for my end. It was always a pleasure, Javier, connecting with you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Look forward to seeing you face to face in the near future. Stay safe.
0: You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Agile and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash agile. Thank you for listening.